Yes, I got one person that says yes. <laughs> we like participation. <laughs> so we have a very special guest with us. He's a friend of ours, uh, Prophet Stephen Powell. He comes from uh, Alaska, so uh, via North Carolina, and uh, who's moving to Arizona. So Steve is a man in transition. And uh, he's going to India even after this, so there's an even a bigger transition. Um, he's got a he's got a, a merchandise table there that you guys can check out after the service, and then also he's going to be ministering tonight. And Stephen is a young prophet that God is using, and uh, he's going to come and share with us today. And then tonight he's going to be ministering. So if you guys would help me out, welcome Stephen Powell. How's everyone doing this morning? Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Such a honor and privilege that we have in this country. Come together, still gather together in freedom. You know, the place that I'm fixing to go in northern India, you know, there's real persecution there uh, where I'm going, where literally, you know, the meetings have to be hidden. Uh, The meetings can't be announced publicly because, you know, the Hindu government, Hindu local officials will come in and um, you know, wreak all kinds of havoc and beat the pastor.
anointing. And I think the Bible declares that because of the anointing, the yoke will be destroyed. The burden will be removed. So, Lord, if there's yokes here this morning, yokes of unbelief, yokes of doubt, Lord, yokes of, 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 of suffering, Lord, I pray that those yokes would be destroyed because of the anointing, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that you'd come and just remove the burden. Lord, we just choose to rest in you, Lord. We choose to rest in the revelation of Jesus Christ, the grace of Jesus Christ. We come before you this morning, Lord, and we throw our burdens on you, Lord God. We cast our cares upon you, and we take on your yoke, Lord. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. But, Lord, I just pray, minister grace to the hearers this morning. As we open up your word, give us fresh revelation. Feed us, Lord. Feed us with that manna from heaven, and let us partake, Lord, in faith. Let us mix this word this morning in faith, Lord, Hebrews 4, 2, so that it might profit us, Lord. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So, um, I am a, a prophetic minister. I have a lot of dreams, a lot of visions. And recently, was caught up into an experience, um, pretty intense experience, where there were many elements. But for this morning's message, it's going to share uh, about this one. I saw Samson in this visionary experience, okay, the biblical character of Samson, and I saw him walk into the feast, okay, in Judges 14 that was thrown whenever he was fixing to be wed to his Gentile bride. Um, But it was interesting, in this picture that I saw, this vision that I saw, I saw Samson actually wearing the hide of the lion that he killed in Judges 14, and uh, it was a, a picture of the overcomer, the overcomer anointing, you know, that we find in Revelations 2 and 3. How many of you guys ever read that, right? Where it says, to him who overcomes, to her who overcomes. Hey, ladies, <laughs> to them who overcome, <laughs> um, it will be given, right? There's all these rewards, all these uh, amazing things mentioned there. Um, But the Bible talks about how Jesus has overcame, right? And so our overcoming comes through ultimately his overcoming. It's by grace. Amen. Um, The Bible says in Revelations 12, 11, they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto the death. So that's a crucial part. That's Revelations 12, 11. That's a crucial part of that scripture. They did not love their lives unto the death. There's going to be a bridal company of overcomers emerge in this day that are going to be so emptied of self, so filled and imbued with the very spirit of Christ that they're literally not going to love their lives unto death. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, the last enemy that shall be defeated is death itself. Death will be defeated when we don't even love our lives unto the death. That's when we're going to see it defeated. But the Bible says they testified. They put the word of God in their mouths like a sword and they released it with power and authority. They testified. How many of you guys know you have to open up your mouth and release the sword of the word? Do not be stagnant. Do not stand still and just let the enemy trample all over your life, trample all over your children, trample all over your finances, trample all over your emotions. Open up your mouth and release the sword. Amen. The Bible says, humble yourself before almighty God and resist the devil. It's not one or the other. It's humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen. But in humbling ourselves under the Lord, coming under God's hand of grace, that's when we have the power to resist. Amen. And he must flee. But 
when I started studying the scripture, though, um, Judges 14, you know, I, I went to the part where it talks about Samson walking into the feast, and I didn't see anything about him wearing the lion's mantle. Um, but it's interesting because I found some interesting things in the Hebrew that I think alludes to it. Are you guys there? Judges 14. We're just going to read through this here, so bear with me. It says, Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. And so he went up and told his father and his mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people? that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and his mother did not know that it was of the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Now, how many of you guys know that ultimately we're not just reading historical accounts of figures like Samson? How many of you guys know that when we read the scripture, we're reading a testimony of Jesus Christ? The Bible says the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Now, that scripture has been used in multiple ways, okay, Revelation 19.10, over the last few years in great ways. But ultimately what that means is when the spirit of prophecy came upon the writers of scripture these prophets of old, the Bible says that Jesus himself testified through their mouths. That's ultimately what that scripture means. So whenever you're reading the scripture here, you're not just reading some book, you know, that was written by some guy. You're reading literally an operation of the spirit of prophecy that came on these men, these writers of scripture, and Jesus himself testified through them. That's why it's the word of God. How many of you guys know the word of God has special authority? we got any believers here this morning. Special authority. This isn't just another book. This isn't a historical account that we're reading of some guy. It can't be compared to any other history book. It is sanctified. It is holy. It's the Holy Bible. And yes, God is big enough to put his hand on it all throughout the years and preserve it for our day. Did you know that in the scripture there's a special promise for the preservation of the word of God? Special promise. The Bible says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away, right? Now, I know that there's implications of the word even beyond what can be written in Scripture. Jesus is the living word, amen? But still, this is a special impartation of that, right? But, uh, you know, I was reading a study the other day where they said that they compared, you know, the codexes and the, the scrolls, all the scrolls, the collection of scrolls that they have down through the ages that they collected, you know, of the word of God that they've translated the scripture from, from a number of years, they compared those, that collection to the collection that they gathered out of the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? The Qumran Scrolls. And they compared them and they said that it was, that they found that the Bible, the scrolls that we've had for ages is the most accurate, historical, ancient, historical piece of text ever in existence. And it's not even by a little, it's like by so much, it's like 99.9% exactly the same as those scrolls from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, I believe, in 1948. I believe the same year that Israel became a nation. And it was literally like God put the Bible in a, in a time capsule, right? Because 
these scrolls had not been touched for like 2,000 years, right? Since Bible times. I mean, consider that. 99.9% accuracy. How many of you guys know that's God? That's God. God put his hands on this word. And no matter how many monks, you know, it passed through, no matter how many places it went in the Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, whatever, God put his hand on this scripture and preserved it for our day. Amen? You have a true witness here of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a true witness, and that's why the Bible says in Revelation 19, when Jesus is returning, he says, faithful and true are my sayings. Right? That's what Revelation 19 meant, means. It means when he comes and returns in his glory, comes to judge the earth, and he says, faithful and true are these sayings, he's basically saying, I told you so. <laughs> he's basically saying, I meant what I said. For all those thousands of years, all those men that even wrote scripture, many of them you know, didn't even know each other, over thousands of years, hundreds of years, there's no way they could have written with the kind of accuracy and written with the kind of harmonious spirit that they wrote with if it was not for the Spirit of God. If it was not for the supernatural power of God. How many of you guys believe it this morning? You have a true and faithful witness here in the scripture. You can look to the scripture and you can read what it says about Jesus and you can walk away with confidence that that is who Jesus is. Amen? He's altogether loving because I read it here. Amen? And as I'm reading it here, I'm experiencing it as well. So I don't want to take away from that. Amen? But our experience does have to marry with the sound doctrine of the scripture. Because how many of you guys know, sometimes our experiences can be deceiving. They really can. The devil can come as an angel light. You know, we're having a prophetic movement today. A lot of angels appearing. But even those angels, even those spirits got to be tested, right? Just like scripture commands us. But here in Judges, what I'm seeing here, I'm just telling you what I'm seeing prophetically. I'm not a scholar. I'm not a theologian. Um, I'm just telling you what I'm seeing prophetically. I'm seeing a type of Christ here. The, the Bible, um, the, the Hebrew word for timna means portion in the Hebrew, right? So Samson went down to Timna to obtain a Gentile wife because he said, I have a portion. Okay, I have a portion down there in Timna. How many of you guys know that when Jesus showed up, right, he came and it kind of fooled the Jews because he's like, I'm coming for a Gentile bride, Right? How many of you guys know that was a violation of what the Jews thought was right? That was a violation of their idea, their understanding of the law. That just because he violated their understanding of the law doesn't mean he violated the law, right? Right? You know, in, in John 5, it says that Jesus was healing the sick, right? He, I believe it was the, the man with the withered hand. And, and they said, you know, the, you know, they said the law says you shouldn't work on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, my father's working, I'm working. Right? So their idea of what was interpreted from the law about what work was wasn't really the right idea. And Jesus has brought a course correction. Right? So the Lord will never violate scripture, but he's happy to violate your understanding of it. Amen? So that's why we got to be really open here. Amen? we got to come before the Lord in humility. we got to come before the Lord in childlike faith and intimacy. And, and, and this can be very, very hard, especially in a Western society that likes to fill itself up, fill its, its, its head, its mind up so much and convince ourselves that, okay, we put in so much work, we put in so much study, now we know. But after all the study you've done, you really know nothing compared to God. You're, 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 you're such a, a finite speck of dust, okay? 
all your works, all your labors, at the end of your life, it'll be so finite, it'll be so minute, it'll be so minuscule compared to who God is and what he knows. You, know, you might as well just say, Lord, here I am. I come before you as a child. I know nothing. Teach me. I empty myself of all my preconceived notions of what is truth, what is not. And I just, I come before you, Lord. And I say, Lord, fill me. Right? Now, of course, as the Lord does fill us, and he does give us revelation, and we do need to stand on that revelation, right? The Bible says in Hebrews 6 that they who come before the Lord must know who he is, must know that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Right? So when you know who he is, when I know that he's a healer, I can diligently seek him as a healer, and I can expect the reward that's attached to that. Right, The reward of healing that's attached to me coming before him because of who he is. Amen? So I don't want to diminish that. But what I am saying is God's going to teach us things in our day that are going to be revolutionary. Right? They're going to be revolutionary. And we need to have an open mind. Amen? We need an open mind to what God's saying in what God's doing. Because you know what? The Jews were full of the law, right? The Pharisees had the Torah memorized. I mean, these people were studious, studious people of the Word of God, and most of them completely missed Jesus. I mean, the greatest manifestation of God in human flesh. I mean, talk about a visitation, right? And, and we're going to have a similar visitation. I mean, we're having a visitation right now. How many of you guys are kingdom people? You're not waiting around for the next revival. We're kingdom people, amen? But still, nonetheless, the Lord's going to keep coming wave after wave of a revival, wave after wave of outpouring and moves. And uh, we need to humble ourselves because there's many scriptural warnings. Even in the writings of Paul, you read in Romans 11, there's a scriptural warning there. Paul says, it happened to the Jews. It can happen to you, church. It happened to the Jews. It can happen to us. And we need to stay open to what the Lord wants to say and he, what, what he wants to do. But uh, the Bible says that Samson sought... The clock just went off. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I was looking at that. Um, but hey, good thing I got a watch and I got an iPhone and I got an iPad. Got plenty of watches. Hey. But the Bible says that Samson went down to Timnah to obtain for himself a Gentile wife. This is a type of Christ where he says, I have a portion among the Gentiles, and I must go down there and violate even my parents, Jewish parents, their understanding of what it means for me to have a bride, right? So the Bible says here, continuing on um, in verse 5, Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Wow, I don't know about you. I just get like chills whenever I read that. You know, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily. It's like, Lord, what was he feeling in that moment? Does anybody you know, like, ask these questions? Like, what was he feeling? I want the Samson anointing. I want to tear a lion. Maybe you ladies don't think like that. So you got any fellas in here? You're like, come on. Can I have that anointing? Do we have any like, cage fighters in here? Give me the, the Samson anointing. I'm going to tear this fella up. Hey. Um, but man, isn't that awesome? It's not some like just the goosebump anointing. The Spirit of God will come upon us to do real amazing things, mighty things. Amen? How many of you guys know that God's power has not diminished in our day? We serve the same God of Israel, that, that same Spirit of Almighty God that came upon Samson and made him mighty for the tearing down of his enemies. Amen? That's the same God we serve. But the Bible says here, 
the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn a young goat. Okay, so um, I was looking at some commentaries and reading some different scholars on this. And I found that many scholars are actually, um, you know, perplexed at what this really means. Okay, what it means in the Hebrew when it says that Samson tore the lion like he would a young goat, a kid goat. Uh, this is one scholar here. This is from Pulpit Commentary. It says, perhaps the kid goat, okay, the young goat, means the one about to be served, which the cook rends, you know, open either before or after it's cooked. Unless some such operation is alluded to, it is not easy to understand what the rending, the tearing apart of the young goat means, right? So I just, you know, went to the scripture. Many times the scripture will interpret itself, right? Many times we don't need to look, you know, to all these other sources. Many times the scripture will interpret itself. But I found in um, Genesis 27, verse 16, that Jacob separated. Okay, he tore the young kid goat, but he separated the hide of the young kid goat, and he put it on his arms. You remember that? And he used a young kid goat because it had softer hair, right? And it, it, it more mimicked human hair, you know, better than other animals. And you remember that was how he deceived his father into receiving the blessing, right? You remember that? Um, I found in Exodus 25, verses 4 through 5, that the, the, the goat skins were separated from the carcass and they adorned the tabernacle, right? And then in Leviticus 20, uh, 16, verse 27, it says, the bull for the sin offering, the Lord says, I want the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, it shall be carried outside the camp, and they shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. Okay, so notice how there in Leviticus 16, 27, it makes a distinction between skins and flesh, right? So the skins had to be separated from the carcass, from the flesh. And that's exactly what I saw in my vision. I saw where Samson had torn the hide of the lion from the lion and then wore it in the feast, even though it doesn't say it here in the Bible. So, you know, I just wanted to mention that there in the Hebrew, there's some things that might allude to it, right? Um, but I found it interesting when I was doing more research online, um, one of the films I saw, Samson and Delilah, that was actually made by this guy named Cecil B. DeMills or whatever, right? You guys familiar with that name? He, he made the, the Ten Commandments with uh, Charlton Heston. Well, when he made um, his depiction of Samson and Delilah, like back in the 1940s or something, he did the same thing. He put the hide of the lion on Samson when Samson went into the feast. Very interesting, right? Um, but in my vision, I saw this as like a mockery to the enemy. I saw Samson walking around with this lion's hide on, and it was like a mockery to the enemy. How many of you guys know that the Bible says that he'll set a table before you and serve you in the presence of your enemy? And right there, while your enemies have to watch, your cup is overflowing. Right? I believe that's what the Lord is saying to us today. That um, he is about to make such a mockery of the enemy. Such a mockery of the forces of darkness. Of psychic powers. Of all these different powers that are parading themselves around. You know, on television, on TLC, in the media. So, you know, in our culture. How many of you guys know that when there's a gay pride ceremony, that's just not gay people being prideful. That's a mockery to God. How many of you guys know that? God will not be mocked, the Bible says. He will not be mocked, Right? The Bible says 
in, in, in 1 Corinthians 18, excuse me, in 1 Kings 18, that when, when Elisha finally rose up to confront the spiritual condition of the culture, of the nation, that it was a showdown with the false prophets. There were something like 450 prophets of Ashtoreth. There were 400 prophets of Baal, 850 to 1. But how many of you guys know that when you got the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost with you, you're in the majority? Amen? Elijah went up on the mountain, and he confronted them. And the Bible says that he began to mock them. He began to make a mockery of them. Now, in most cases, we wouldn't teach that in our prophetic schools, right? We wouldn't teach our young prophets, all right, go down to wherever, you know, go down to Planned Parenthood and just mock them, right? But uh, how many of you guys know God's ways are higher than our ways, right? And when God does something like mockery through his servant Elijah, it's not our mockery, right? There's a, there's a power being released in that, amen? And I believe that God wants to make a demonstration of who he is in this day. I think he wants to make a demonstration. You know, I, I love revival history. And, and saints, it wasn't too long ago here in this nation where we had this nation filled with the power of God flowing from every city. Did you know that right here in America, there's been entire cities that have come to Christ? And I'm not just talking about, you know, little cow towns and, you know, some place that nobody knows about. I'm talking about the city of Rochester. More than 100,000 people at the time when Charles Finney went there in 1832, the whole city virtually got saved. More than 95% of the population. They talked about how as the glory of God would come down during those awakening meetings, that it would a lot of times encompass the entire city, the atmosphere of it. And they said that people couldn't even come into the city without falling down on their faces, even coming into the outskirts of the city and repenting before God, giving their lives to Jesus. How about the Lord just coming and saying, you know what? I'm going to take over Miami for a season. And I'm going to call Miami God's city. I'm going to call it like, you know, a new Jerusalem, the place where God dwells, right? That's the implication of Zion and Jerusalem. This is the place where God dwells. This is the place where he says he's going to reign from forever and ever, right? That's why there's so much warfare over Israel. That's why there's so much warfare over Jerusalem. It's because Satan wants that mount. He wants that place, right? You know, Isaiah 14, he's seeking to exalt his throne above the throne of God, right? So that's why you see that even on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, you see that Dome of the Rock. You see that Muslim you know, thing there. And that's a mockery to God. That's, that, that, that's the enemy saying, this is my mountain, right? How many of you guys know that that's not going to last too much longer? That's Jesus' mountain. He's coming back, the Bible says, to rule and reign forever from the very throne of David. Powerful stuff. But I believe that uh, the Lord's going to make a mockery of the enemy in our day. And it's going to be with real power. Amen. You know, we were talking on the way over here this morning about just the next generation, young people. And I have a heart for young people. I have a heart for young people to really encounter Jesus, right? To encounter the God of the Bible. Amen. And I don't just want to, you know, young people to encounter, I don't know, a version of Jesus that we give them. I want, I want to see the power of God come down. And shake a generation. Amen? The Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that when Paul came to the Corinthians, he said, I determined to know one thing among you. Preach one thing, Christ crucified. Because how many of you guys know that's where the power is? 
He said, I came and I, I determined to know one thing as I preached to you, Christ crucified. And he said, I did not come with the persuasive words of man's wisdom. Because in the Greek culture, that's what culture was demanding. Culture was saying, we want philosophers. We want the, the Christian version of Plato. But Paul said, I'm not coming in fitting your cultural paradigm. I'm not coming in the words of persuasive men. But he says, I'm coming in a demonstration of the Spirit of God and power that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5. I'm telling you, if we have the best orators, the best speakers, and I believe we do here in America. We have some of the best speakers, some of the best orators, some of the most brilliant people that can stand on any platform with anybody in the world and you know speak and, and, and totally just woo crowds with their speech. But it's not enough. We need a demonstration of the Spirit and God and, and power because that is what God has ordained for our faith to stand in. Amen? Our faith cannot stand. It cannot be rooted in man's wisdom. It must be rooted in the power of God. And I'm not just talking about manifestations. Okay? How many of you guys know the Bible says the gospel is the power? Romans 1. The gospel is the power unto salvation to them that believe. I want to see a demonstration of power in the preaching and the proclamation of the gospel. That's why I love to study the ministry of Charles Finney. He had that even in his proclamation. There's historical accounts where... Charles Finney would come under such an anointing as he would preach the gospel that he said that people could not endure even a sermon him preaching. He said there were times that if he got even too loud with his voice, too loud with his vocals, even with praying or preaching, he said people would just start being wiped out by the power of God all over the room. I believe it's where they came up with the saying, slain in the spirit. Anybody ever heard of this, slain in the spirit? He said that when Finney got too loud in a sermon... It was like Jesus was walking around with a sword, cutting people down out of the chairs. And imagine that kind of power on your vocal cord. That kind of power on the proclamation of the gospel. Supposedly, we have the gospel being preached every day. You know, every Sunday. You know, all, all the time here in America. It's even going out through the airwaves. I mean, have we ever seen the gospel being preached and proclaimed and going out so much than any other time in human history? I mean, everybody's Facebook live in it. Everybody's got it on an Instagram. Everybody's got it on their YouTube channel. I mean, it's going everywhere. But why are we seeing the demonstration of the power? Charles Finney didn't have a Facebook account. He didn't have, you know, millions of dollars for Facebook ads. He didn't have a big Insta following. Right? He didn't have a following as big as Beyonce's or whatever. Right? In fact, he had nothing. <laughs> Really nothing, but wait a minute, he had everything. He had the power and the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I believe that if we're going to expect the same power that the apostles proclaimed the gospel in, I believe we have to proclaim the same gospel. How many of you guys think that might make some sense, right? But in many places here in America, that same gospel is not being proclaimed, right? We're preaching grace and the love of God without repentance and turning from sin. You cannot experience the love of God without repenting of your sins and turning from them and making Jesus your Lord. Jesus is not your one night stand. He's your Lord. You owe Him your allegiance. You owe Him your life. You owe Him your spiritual fidelity. Are you hearing me? 
Bear with me as the prophet kind of comes out a little bit. Spiritual fidelity. I don't know about you. I want to be completely joined to Jesus. I don't want Jesus. I don't want to appear before the Lord one day. And the Lord said, why did you live your life like a spiritual whore? Why did you join yourself with this spirit over here and that spirit over there? I'm telling you, it happens. We give our desires to something that the Lord's not in, that the Lord is not for. When, when you know... Ah, Lord, help me. Come on. I got like eight minutes. <laughs> but I'm just going to... Reiterate some other parts of the story real quick. I don't have time to read, read the whole thing. But I'm assuming you guys know the story. That when, he, when Samson killed this lion. The Bible says that he came back after a period of time. Okay. And he found the lion, the corpse. Okay, rotting. And he found honey. Where bees were working in there. And honey coming out of the lion. Now, once again, this is prophetic, okay? We're getting a revelation of Jesus Christ through the scripture here. That's what the honey is. The honey is the revelation of Jesus that's come forth through a mature maturation of of the preaching of the gospel. You know, Jesus was the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? And he was the lion of the tribe. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah that became a dead lion, right? He laid down his life, and out of that has come forth that honey, out of that has come forth the sweetness of the revelation of Christ that we all get to partake of. But the Bible says that Samson went away for a time and then he returned after a time. Jesus came, said, I'm, I'm claiming my Gentile bride, but he's gone away for a time. But how many of you guys know he's promised, I will come again. And when he comes again, will he find honey in our lives? Will he find a mature work of the revelation of Jesus Christ in our lives? Will he? Um, honey, oftentimes in Scripture, is represented uh, of the prophetic anointing, of prophetic revelation. The Bible talks about Deborah in Judges 4 and how she was a judge but also a prophetess. Her ma- name means the honeybee. Okay? 1 Samuel 14, uh, 27 through 29, the Bible talks about Jonathan taking a bite of the honey, and the Bible says, that his eyes were enlightened, right? The moment he took the honey. Paul said in Ephesians 1.17 that we would have our, he prayed that we would have our eyes enlightened, okay? According to the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? So in the knowledge of Jesus Christ speaks about knowing him, amen? I want to know Jesus intimately. And when I know Jesus intimately, it's like partaking of that honey, And when I partake of that honey, when I partake of revelation out of intimacy, then my eyes are enlightened. Then I really see Jesus. Then I really see the truth. I begin to have a a biblical worldview. I begin to have a worldview, even viewing the world around me according to the eyes of Jesus. Amen? We desperately need that. We desperately need that because we need to separate the pure from the profane. We need to make a clear distinction. The Bible says in Genesis 1-4 that the Lord spoke and he separated the light from the darkness. The word of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation of the word of God is the only thing that can separate light from darkness. You know what that means? That means the Lord has the right to say this is godly, this is ungodly. 
This is pure. This is profane. This is right. This is wrong. It's not law. It's revelation. Are you hearing me? How many of you guys think we desperately need that? That's where we get our conscience from. That's where we should have our conscience should be so filled, so imbued with the spirit of wisdom and revelation to where literally we, we are so connected to God, we feel what God feels about things. We hear as God hears. We see as God sees. Amen? But uh, the Bible says that Samson brought this honey back to his parents. Very, very interesting. It says that they partook of it without question. They partook of it and they did not ask where it came from. Right? And I believe that's a revelation of how the gospel in these last days is going to come even to the Jewish people. They're going to partake of this honey the revelation of Jesus Christ. They don't know where it's been. It's been maturing in the church age. It's been maturing over the last 2,000 years in the church, right? How many of you guys know there's been even a maturation to what we've seen to, to this day of the victory of Jesus over sin, over sickness, over disease, over death? I mean, we're living today in a prophetic movement. There's been healing movements. I mean, I don't know if you guys understand quite how significant it is for us even this morning to talk about healing, to even pray for healing. You realize that it's only been about a hundred years since this has been restored corporately to the church worldwide. You realize that, you know, it, it, it's very possible that 150 years ago, 200 years ago, if my daughter would have had a, a lump that they discovered, I would have said something along the lines of, well, you know, God must have a plan, you know, in the cancer, or, you know, Lord help us, right? I mean, people talked like this, people acted like this 150, 200 years ago because that revelation had not been restored corporately. It's come through an outpouring of the Spirit. It's come through this Pentecostal movement that God's released. Amen? I remember uh, reading the story of John G. Lake, you know, one of the Pentecostal fathers, you know, of the modern-day Pentecostal movement. And he was so burdened with disease and suffering that literally, you know, multiple members of his family were taken out at a very young age. And he said, you know, in this book that was edited by Gordon Lindsay called Spiritual Hunger, The Hunger Man, he talked about how when he first started crying out to God, you know, as a, I think he was a Methodist, right? As a Methodist preacher, he, he didn't even know to call out to God as his healer. He didn't even realize that he could call out to God as his healer. But then he met a man named Alexander Dowie in Chicago, Illinois. And this man was moving um, an incredible gift of faith and the working of miracles and the gifts of healing. And he also was a forerunner to the restoration, you know, of these gifts of the Spirit being restored, you know, worldwide. And, and, and as the story goes, John G. Lake came down, was completely healed. You know, one of his conditions, I remember, was he had a degenerative bone disease where his, bone, his legs were so bowed, he said they looked like bananas as he walked, right? And he said that Alexander Dowie laid hands on him and decreed healing in the name of Jesus. And his, all of his bones began to crack and snap and his legs instantly straightened, perfectly straight. And, 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 and as the story goes, he went back to Canada, Ontario. He brought his whole family down and his whole family was healed because many of, of his family members had that same you know, uh, demonic disease. It was demonic. It was, it was torture. It was torment. But, you know, I say all that to say this, we don't realize sometimes just how precious this is, you know, just exactly what we're walking in. You know, there's an incredible move of God happening right now. Amen. But the Bible says that the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. 
Isaiah 9. So we can expect an increase even to everything that we've seen before today, even today. Amen? But the last uh, part of this story that I want to highlight before I close here is the Bible says that when uh, Samson finally went down and obtained his Gentile bride, there was a feast that was celebrated. And in the feast, he posed a riddle. Okay, The word riddle is the same Hebrew word used many times in the Old Testament for prophetic revelation. Right? The Bible says in Numbers 12, uses the same word. It talks about how prophets, when the Lord speaks to a prophet, he'll reveal himself in a vision. He'll speak to him in a dream, in a dark saying. And that word in the Hebrew is the same word used here in, in, in the story of Samson, where Samson posed a riddle. And he posed a riddle to the Philistines, the 30 Philistines at the wedding feast. And he said, if you can guess it, I'll go and grab 30 cloaks of people and I'll give these 30 cloaks to you. These 30 like coats. And the riddle was from the strong, or excuse me, from the eater, from the devourer came something to eat. From the strong came something sweet. Right? It's like a prophetic riddle. Now here's what I want you to see. Is what separated those men, okay, from actually partaking of that honey from the land was actually that riddle. Right? And this is the purpose of prophetic revelation. The purpose of prophetic revelation is to actually lead to the lion. It's to lead to the honey. It's to lead to partaking of Christ. Amen? This is the purpose of prophetic ministry. The purpose, ultimately, of prophetic ministry is not even just calling out your stuff. Not, let, me, let me just say this. I say this with all respect. Prophetic ministry goes way beyond even just giving an encouraging word. You can go to a Tony Robbins conference and get encouraged. Right? Psychics encourage people all the time. I've actually watched some of those psychic shows at time, and, and they'll actually say at the end, God bless you. But what does that mean? If it ultimately doesn't lead to Jesus Christ, we can experience, quote, all the blessing and encouragement we want in this life and still go to hell. How many of you guys know that's not a blessing ultimately? That's a curse. It's a curse ultimately to live the abundant life in this life and not find the pearl of great price. To not find Jesus. Amen? But that's what was separating them from actually partaking. It was that riddle. But the Bible says that the Philistines came to Samson's wife and they threatened her. They said, I'm going to burn you with fire, you and your father, if you don't find that riddle. Right? So there was this pressure, this outside pressure that came upon Samson's Gentile bride. And the Bible says she pressed him in secret. Seven days saying, tell me the answer of the riddle. Tell me the answer. The, do you not love me? Do you not trust me? And Samson said, I haven't even told my parents. Right? So the Lord shares with the Gentile church things that were not even revealed to the Jews. Right? Things that they long to see. They long to look into. And then Paul the Apostle comes along and unveils these mysteries that for thousands of years they long to look into and understand. And it's been freely given to me and you to partake of that honey. But finally on the seventh day, we're living in the seventh day, we're living in the seventh hour, we're living in the seventh church age, Laodicea right now. Finally on the seventh day, he released the answer to the riddle. Okay, He released the secret. And we're living in the seventh hour, the seventh day right now. And there's been a prophetic movement that has spanned the globe. 
And we're going all over the world and we're teaching the Gentile bride how to press the Lord in intimacy. How to press in in intimacy and get the secrets. Get the prophetic revelation. Lord, I want to see the angel. Lord, I want to have the dream. Lord, I want to hear your voice, right? But what is the motivation of our heart? Is there an outside influence? Is there a Philistine outside influence? And you know what? Many of the influences of the world is based in fear. Right? You know why, you know why preachers prostitute their gifts many times? It's because there's a fear. If I don't prostitute my gift, I'm not going to eat. If I don't prostitute my gift, I'm not going to make it big. I'm not going to succeed. And there's a fear there. Right? Interesting. When Samson came back from gathering up all those garments and he gave them to the Philistines, the Bible says his wife was gone. She had been joined to another. Right? So if there's this outside influence that comes in in the prophetic movement, and our motivation of our heart is not pure, we have to have the Lord come in and circumcise our heart. Reveal our motivation. It has to be Him, saints. It has to be Him. It can't be because I'm going to use the revelation to exalt myself, to get a bigger ministry, to make an extra. It can't be that. If, if that is in your heart, I'm telling you, there's compromise there, and the enemy will use it. That has to be circumcised from our hearts in this day. But the Bible says he came back, he found his wife given to another, and then the Bible says, in his anger, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he was angry. Sometimes people get angry in the flesh, right? Any of you fellas ever got angry in the flesh, right? Ladies, you're like, that was not the Lord. That was not the the Spirit of God, right? But sometimes there's some anger that's manifest, and it's the Lord, so we have to pay attention. Like sometimes, you know, I get someone rises up and my kids better pay attention because I feel the Lord on this, right? <laughs> so there's this anger that rose up in Samson, beginning of Judges 15. And he, you know, just does this random thing, you know, just another day in prophetic Israel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch 300 foxes. I mean, he's not even an avenger. I have no idea how he does this, right? <laughs> he, he just catches 300 foxes, right? Ties her tails together, lights them on fire, Right? Can you say, what's that organization for animals? PETA or whatever, right? <laughs> that is a bad day for them, right? And then he lets them loose into the Philistine harvest, right? So their whole harvest goes up in flames. Everything that the world is working towards, everything that this, this massive trillion, kajillion dollar industry out there, the pinnacle of the entertainment mountain, the pinnacle of the business mountain, all these, they're all coming to nothing. The Bible says in James 5, they're all being fattened for the day of the slaughter. You read it for yourself. There in James 5. It's all for nothing if you're not building a kingdom. If you're not laboring in something that has the promise of eternal life, not just temporal. Amen? And that's another very important part of the gospel. We are sojourners. We are, we are uh, aliens in this land. This is not our home. We are looking unto a city whose builder and maker is the Lord. Amen? But the Bible says that Samson lit the fire, and then the Philistines went and grabbed his wife. His, I don't know if, he, if she's his ex now. I don't know what she is, right? She's compromised. She's sleeping with another dude. That's all I know. The Philistines went and grabbed her and threw her in the fire anyways. So what is that a lesson of? It's that the world comes in and puts a pressure on us and then promises all these things, promises of the reward, and ultimately... It's not going to give that anyways. Ultimately, it can't give that protection anyways. Only the Lord can. Amen? Amen? 
So I just saw this prophetic message that I wanted to share with you this morning. It came out of a vision that I've had. I don't even know when the last time I studied this story of Samson. I'm like, whoo, going back to, you know, Bible, you know, Sunday school days. Hey, um, but wow, I'm reading the story of Samson. I'm like, there's Jesus. There's Jesus with a fresh rhema word to the prophetic movement. Let's not be, you know, like this, this, this Philistine bride. And, and one last thing, and I promise I'm done. The Bible says that Samson said to the Philistines, you would not have known the answer to the riddle if you had not been plowing with my heifer. <sighs> now, she was already gone, so he could say it. No, I'm joking. Um, but once again, this is all prophetic, right? It all has incredible meaning in it. A heifer is a cow, a female cow, that the seed has not taken yet, and she has not become pregnant, right? And the Lord is looking for a bride. In our movement. He's looking for a bride that will say, that will say, I will be your bride. I will take your seed. I will bring forth Christ in my life. Right? That's what you see in Mary. Mary said, Lord, I don't understand this, but so let it be unto me according to thy word. Right? And, she, and the Holy Spirit came upon her and she became impregnated. Right? It all comes from the word. Fidelity to the word. Amen? We want to say, Lord... I want to seek your face. I want to receive your word. And as you give me your word, as you give me the answer to the riddle, the honey, I'm not going to prostitute it. But I'm going to take it in intimacy and I'm going to use it. I'm going to bring forth Christ in my life. I want people to see Christ in my nature, in my character, and in the power of God. Man? Amen. So that's the other message there. Is we don't want to be the heifer that's plowing with the Philistines. We don't want to be... The barren wife, this barren church that, you know what, actually the spirit that we're operating in is plowing right out there in the world. It's going the same direction as the world, which ultimately, you know, that field that they were plowing, it ended up getting lit on fire. And that's Samson coming again. That's the Lord coming again in judgment, right? So um, let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. For your word, Lord. We thank you for your speaking in this hour, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're challenging us, Lord, to come up another level, to, to purify ourselves, to say, Lord, thank you for everything you poured out in the prophetic movement. But Lord, I, I, I want to see it purified, Lord. I want to see it purified. I want to see my faith come forth tried like gold in the fire, coming forth pure in your sight. Lord, we thank you for grace today. Lord God, to see this purity come, to see this purity happen. Just lift your hands right now. And if you're willing this morning, I'd like you to repeat this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I want to be the bride. I want to be your wife. I want to be joined to you in intimacy. And I want to bring forth your seed. I want to bring forth you. Lord, I pray, purify my heart. Expose anything that's in there, Lord. That might want to use the gifts of God for impure purposes. And Lord, I received grace this morning to help me with this. I received grace this morning for pure intimacy with you. Now just stay there for a moment. I'm going to pray over you. Father, I pray for these men and women here this morning, these families. 
Lord, I'm asking that you would make them in the days to come to taste of that honey and that their eyes would be enlightened to know Jesus by the spirit of wisdom revelation. Lord, we do want the honey. We do want the revelation, Lord. We do want to encounter you, Lord, in a fresh way. But Lord, we just pray, prepare us, Lord. Prepare us for those encounters, Lord, that you've destined for us to have. Prepare us for the level that you want to take us to. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name on everybody here, Lord, that you just take them to another level this year in hearing your voice. And not just to hear your voice, Lord, but to know you, Lord. To know you more. As we hear your voice, as we receive your anointed word, we're getting to know you better, Lord. We're falling more in love with you. And I just pray grace for that, Lord. Grace for intimacy and relationship with you this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you. Oh, yeah. Sherry's like, turn him loose, turn him loose. I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm letting him, but I'm like, I know he's going to go over. But, um, so I was just cause we're out of town. Uh, Stephen's going to be ministering tonight. Did you all get anything out of that? Okay. I want you to understand that's biblically based prophetic teaching. The, the word of God is, is layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And there's revelation. There are literally spiritual chambers within the word of God. So it's not, it's not everything is always on the surface of the reading. And we teach this, this style here too. But I just want to honor Stephen. And I want to just give him enough time. He, has a, he definitely has a resource table. And this is what he does for a living. He's a, he's a minister. And the Bible says, we have a min- What are they doing tonight? Stephen's going to be ministering tonight at six o'clock. Sherry's like, my wife, tell them what they're doing tonight. So it's like, um, Stephen's going to be ministering. Yes, prophetic and healing. So he's going to turn them loose. There won't be such a time constraint tonight. So I want to encourage you to come. He'll be ministering openly. He'll be ministering prophetically. Bring some people. uh, Prophetic healing, perhaps. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Good stuff. See, now he's looking at his watch. And so, um, uh, but uh, I want to point you to the resource table. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. Stephen's going to be over at the table. And also, if you want to give Stephen an offering, which I, everybody say it with me. Honor a prophet. And you receive a prophet's reward. So I encourage you to honor a prophet. Honor creates access. There's giving envelopes here. If you'd like an envelope, just raise your hand. And um, you can just put all the information on the, on the envelope. And so um, here, I'll just give you, Sherry, would you hand it? Just hand it. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, if, um, if, you, uh, if you need an envelope, these envelopes are, if you didn't come ready to give a cash or check, you can give securely with a debit or credit card. And we'll process that and shred it after you're done. But there's anybody that needs one of those this morning? Just raise your hand if you do. Pastor Sherry will give you one. And just take a moment. Sorry, I went a little over. I was supposed to do this at the end. I forgot. <laughs> um, but just take a moment, if you could. Just ask the Lord what he'd have you do this morning. Um, our ministry is Lion of Light Ministries. If you're making out checks, you can just make them out LLM. And uh, we appreciate that. My wife will appreciate that. Praise God. Um, there'll be another opportunity to give tonight as well. Um, yeah, bless you. So how, how did you want to facilitate that? Just, you want to take it up? Or? Well, fill it out. And when you're done, if you fill it out, just take your time and then drop it off over at the table. And so Stephen's going to be over at the resource table and you can ask him any questions and you can meet and greet him a little bit. And uh, uh, we, we're a social dynamic here, right? This is like Miami. We like pe- people like people. That's the one thing. We had a friend come down here and she does this like personality test. And uh, anybody ever done those personality tests or whatever? What's the one where they're like really like outgoing? I don't know. There's like the sanguine. There's the, you know, what, what's the one that's like really outgoing? 
the one that's, whatever the one that's really outgoing, she, this, this woman travels everywhere. And she said, I have never charted so many people in the, in the outgoing category as in Miami. That's what she said. So you're outgoing, you're vivacious, you know, be that person, be outgoing, be vivacious, Miami. We exposed him to some Cuban food last night. So he's never had flan and he never had tres leches. So, uh, we laid that on him too last night. So, uh, anyway, we want to bless you. So I want to give you an opportunity to meet and greet, say hi to everybody and then come back tonight, you know? Come back tonight. Come back tonight. It's going to be powerful. So let me bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. And may he be gracious to you in every way. And may the Lord give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor. In the name of Jesus. God loves you. We love you. Have a wonderful week. Check it out. Love you. Blessings. Trying to walk. You live.